Hello and welcome. My name is Dr. Kenitra Bryant, and today's motivational aim targets don't bite the bait. This motivational aim requires wisdom, intentional thought, and patience. First-time listeners, thank you for taking the time to listen to this 38-part series I'm covering entitled God, Me, and the Dissertation. I encourage you to listen to parts 1 through 25 to catch up on some insights, encouragement, and personal experiences I've shared relating to my dissertation doctoral journey. My aim is to encourage listeners to keep pressing forward in their God-honoring goals. And I want to go ahead and jump in the motivational aim, Don't Bite the Bait. And I have a question for you. Have you ever worked towards a goal and encountered opposition? Okay. Have you ever worked towards a goal and there were people hating on you? Well, I have a few questions. I said I want to ask a question, but I have several questions, as you can see. Have you ever worked on a goal and the identified hater did everything they could to stop you from pursuing your goal or even work on it? And when people don't want you to pursue a goal or work on a goal, they know how to get in the way. They know how to get in the way to distract or stop somebody. Some people get in the way by pretending to be friendly, pretending to be a friend, pretending to be concerned and caring. And then there are some people who you've probably experienced, they're bold with it. They'll let you know outright, you don't need to be pursuing that goal. I need to watch you. You need to be watched and I need to stop you because you don't need to be doing that. They'll tell you that they're watching you and they're going to stop you and they want to stop you. They will get in your way. And then some will tell you, hey, you're a loser. You'll never succeed in what you're trying to do. Who do you think you are? All kinds of just mean stuff. And I believe some of you can relate with this. When that kind of thing happens and you are met with those type of obstacles and challenges, dealing with people, because you're going to deal with people as long as you're alive. But when that kind of stuff happens, don't bite the bait. And I want to define bait. And here are a few definitions. The first one is something such as food used for enticing, especially to hook or trap. Another definition is to entice by deception or trickery so as to entrap or destroy. And another definition is to intentionally annoy or taunt someone. Those are all relevant definitions for where I am going with this motivational aim. Don't bite the bait. As you work on your goals, there will be some people who will intentionally use something to lure you in, to hook and trap you, or they'll entice you with deception, and that deception could be 
cloaked as a concern, a care, no matter what people are trying to do to you, don't bite the bait. Don't bite the bait that they are throwing at you. And for a person to be so confident to think that they are providing bait for you, they are throwing out or they're placing something before you that they think you will bite. They want to hook you in. They want to take you out. But what a blessing it is when people think they know you and they do not. And every time they think they are throwing bait, they're wasting their time, they're wasting their money, and they're wasting their resources because you will not bite the bait because that bait is not attractive or enticing to you. Or if it is enticing and attractive, you recognize it because what have you been doing? Asking God for wisdom and discernment and revelation and knowledge and understanding. So you've been doing that behind the scenes. Somebody throws some bait at you and also you've been praying to God for self-control. So when somebody throws bait, you don't fall for it because of who you're connected to and who you're allowing to guide you, which is God and God's word. And you know how it is when somebody's trying to catch something. <laughs> Let me just use a rat or a mouse example. When somebody's trying to catch a rat, they are buying traps, putting cheese on the trap, and they're putting cheese on the trap because people have seen the success rate in putting cheese on traps to attract the rat. And they believe that if I put this cheese on this trap, this rat will not be able to resist. And they are spending money on this cheese. They need this cheese to be top-notch. It has to be of high quality in order to attract what they're trying to trap. So they place the cheese on the trap in different locations, whether it be the garage, certain areas of their home, the washroom, wherever they saw that rat or that mouse. And they might have to wait a day, a few days, or even a few weeks. But when they hear that, oh, they, they know it worked. The bait worked. The rat bit the bait. Same thing happens when you go fishing. When you feel that tug on the line, you know a fish bit the bait. People throw bait out to catch whatever they want to catch in a type of person too. Some people do that. If a person bites the bait, they know what they are working with. If somebody throws some bait out and somebody bit it, they have an idea of what that person likes to bite. And what do they do? They go ahead and reel them right on in to do whatever they have planned for that person to do. And it could be to use them, manipulate them, or in most cases, to destroy them. That's the whole purpose. Satan 
is putting bait out here for us too. He wants us to bite some bait. He wants us to bite the bait of fear. Satan wants us to bite the bait of discord, contention, hate, bitterness, jealousy, apostasy, lack, mediocrity, toxicity, stagnation. He wants us to bite the bait of distractions, procrastination, lies, illusion, or illusions, pride, fights, abuse, disrespect, disorder, and every other bait that goes against God's path and plan for our individual and collective purpose. If Satan can get you to bite the bait, his aim is to reel you in and take you out. But of course, Satan has to deceive you first. And the deception comes in with the bait. With bait, just like it states in the definition, it has to appear attractive. It has to appear real. It has to appear innocent. And let's go back to the cheese on the rat trap. And let's look at the rat. Let's say the rat is just minding his business. He's got an assignment. He's going to work. His job is to harass people. Just harass them. Bother them. Make them upset. Make them go spend money to get rid of them. That's his job. Going around just doing all kinds of stuff. Now, he's working on his assignment, doing what he needs to do. And somebody sees him, and they have to stop him. They have to stop that rat. So, rat's going from one point to the next point. And then one day, the rat sees a big hefty piece of craft, mild cheddar block cheese on a wood cutting board. Okay, I'm describing the basic rat trap, mouse trap. And the rat is looking like, okay, man, I mean, somebody set this out for me to eat. Well, that's a nice hefty piece of cheese right there, boy. That, that looks right. Let me go to this cutting board real quick. And then the rat's neck is sideways and some wire and they're laying there just looking shocked. Well, the rat is laying there looking shocked and real pitiful. See, that cheese smelled right to that rat. But that cheese was used to destroy the rat. Because whoever set the trap didn't want the rat around. I'm using this example. I'm not calling anybody a rat. Now, if somebody's a rat, they just need to go to God in prayer so they can be delivered from that. But I'm just using an example regarding bait. Now, whoever set the trap, they didn't want the rat around. The purpose was to kill the rat. And Satan sets up traps all day long. And he baits us in. Because to us, we're not pleasant. We're going around doing what God wants us to do. And in Satan's eyes, we are the ones harassing him. We're doing what God told us to do, but... He thinks that we are stopping his agenda, and we are when we are obedient to God. He doesn't like that. He doesn't like that. So we're in his house. We're unwelcome guests 
making a difference. Our presence is known. We are attractive because we carry the light of Christ and people are looking at what we're doing, where we're moving, and how we do things. So he has to set up some traps so we can go bite the bait and we're out of his way. He wants to steal, kill, and destroy us. That's the purpose of the bait that Satan sets out. That's the purpose. Why do you think when you are in a situation where people have been doing some things for a very long time and they have this routine and it's just wicked, it's evil, it's wrong, it's not right. But if you come in there and you're coming in there with God-honoring motive and you're allowing God to lead you, do you know that you're not welcome? People do not like you. Some people will not like you and they'll do anything to trap you to get you out of there so they can continue with business as usual as they've done before you even showed up. They can set up all kinds of traps, pits, everything to get rid of you because there is something operating in that area that's not right and they don't want to change. They don't care how many people come into that place. It could be 20 God-honoring people coming into an establishment. Of course, they're going to make a God-honoring difference, but they're going to go through a lot of obstacles doing what God told them to do because all types of traps will be set up for them to bite the bait so they can get out of here. But it's working contrary against them because God says, no weapon formed against you will prosper. So while they're trying to create traps, they're really trapping themselves when God puts you in a place to impact and make change. But that's how this thing goes. Satan wants to kill, steal, and destroy you and your family and everything you put your hands to. Satan is putting out cheese for us, so to speak. He's putting out cheese for us. Well, we start cheesing at stuff. And we shouldn't be cheesing at it. That's bait. Sometimes cheesing at the wrong stuff will have somebody laid out somewhere wishing they could get out of the trap they found themselves in. Sideways, neck messed up, can barely breathe. You don't even want the cheese. You get a revelation real quick. I, I don't even want this cheese. I just want my life. Lord, if you just get me out of this trap. I Forget cheese. I'm a vegan. I repent. I turn from my ways. I'll never go back. That's how it is sometimes. Sometimes the traps Satan sets, they're not noticeable. And sometimes those traps look innocent and sweet. Sometimes a trap could be a distraction where it's to get you from doing what God told you to do and it's cloaked in, could you help me? Could you help this great cause? Maybe that's not the cause God told you to get involved with. And it's a setup to entangle you. And sometimes causes, you have to really delve into what you're supporting. That's why you have to ask God for wisdom. And then be bold about it. If God didn't tell you to do that, don't do it. 
Satan sets up the bait of distraction, as I said. And for a person working on a goal, a God-honoring goal, Satan will use who he can and what he can to bait somebody in. He'll bait you in. He'll set up bait in an effort to snap you out of here. Satan can't have you helping people realize their true potential. Satan can't have you encouraging people. Satan can't have you meeting quality people in life. Satan can't have you around individuals who inspire and impact you. Satan can't have you connected with people who love God and then you start loving God and changing your life. Uh Uh-uh. He can't have that. Satan can't have you completing your goals and serving as an inspiration for somebody else. And then a domino effect happens. Satan can't have you being confident as you reach your goals. Satan can't have you not trying to be a people pleaser. Satan can't have you leave people alone who need to be left alone. Oh, no, he can't have that. He can't have you get out of a toxic cesspool no he wants you to stay in there swim around drown go infect some other people he doesn't want you to be free and clean in christ satan can't have you knowing your worth satan can't have you set boundaries Uh uh-uh no so what does he do he throws out bait the same bait He's been using from the beginning because Satan does not have any new tricks. Satan has this trend with bait. He throws it out and the bait is most often associated with people and how they see themselves, what they want to attain, what they want to acquire, what they want to do, what they want to show off. And have you noticed individuals in the Bible who bit the bait from Satan? What the bait was really tied to? It was tied to their identity and status. Think about Eve. God let it be known what Adam and Eve could eat, what they could bite. And he told them what to do and what not to do. Satan comes right on in and uses a tree which God said not to bite from, not to eat from. And he used that as bait. And then he says, did God really say, you know, you must not eat from any tree in the garden? You won't die. Because when you eat from it, your eyes will be open and you will be like God. Look, identity, status, what they want to attain, what they want to show somebody. I mean, you, you'll be just like God. You'll know good from evil. I mean, you'll be all that. And what happened when she bit the bait? You know the story. And then let's look at Gehazi. He was Elisha's servant. He saw some clothes, some outfits, a few dollars, and some change, and he fell into the bait trap. He ran after the man who was just cured from a skin disease, lied to the man in order to get those items that had him cheesing. He was cheesing when he saw that. 
And when he bit the bait, he was ensnared, trapped with leprosy. Gehazi was connected to the man of God. The man of God was connected to God. Satan couldn't have Elisha's influence impact the servant. And then the servant had servants and family. And I mean, if you start following God, you know, my goodness, it'll impact several people. I got to stop this. Let me put some bait out there for you. Let me throw some bait out there so you can be ensnared and then your family will be ensnared because that's what happened with Gehazi. His family was trapped because of what he bit. Whether people know it or not, you impact people. The aim is for it to be a positive, God-honoring impact and not a negative impact. That's why Satan wants to destroy you. He wants you to bite some things you have no business biting. And what happened with Gehazi, he was focused on what he could be, identity. What he would look like, showing off, showing somebody what he had. He bit the bait. Now he was going to show somebody something all right. He was going to show people that I bit the bait and this is the impact of it. I'm leprous and I've caused my family and descendants to be lepers too. Let's go to another example. King Saul. Keeping stuff he wasn't supposed to keep. And that bait cost him. It cost him his mind. His relationships. And his position. Satan tried to use the same tricks with Jesus too. Using the bait of stuff the bait of identity, status, notoriety, the bait of money. He tried it with Jesus and it didn't work. He was trying to get Jesus to ensnare himself. That's what Satan does. He presents the bait, but he's not making anybody pick it up. He presents it, but he doesn't make and he can't make you pick it up. Let's go back to the rat trap. When somebody is setting a rat trap, they're putting cheese on the trap for the rat. I mean, I don't think that somebody is saying, Hey, I'm setting this trap for y'all. Make sure y'all pick this up and eat it. Do it. Pick it up. They're not coaching the rat to pick up the cheese. They're not doing it. No, the hope is that the rat will Follow their senses and just do. Don't think, but just do. And that's what Satan wants us to do. Follow our senses, what we can see and feel, and get away from following our Savior. Following what the Holy Spirit has entrusted us and is guiding us to do. He wants us to get away from that and follow our senses, follow impulse. Follow our emotions. Jesus didn't fall for the bait. And that is encouraging because if Jesus didn't fall for the bait or bite the bait and Jesus lives on the inside of us, we have the power to not bite the bait too. And we have the power to recognize bait when it's put out before us. 
no matter how we feel and no matter what our senses are trying to encourage us or persuade us to do. The resurrected power of Jesus Christ resides on the inside of us. Don't allow the bait of fear and what you might look like if you don't succeed or what you don't know be the cause of you picking up the bait to bite it and then you go against God. The aim is to do what God commanded us to do. And yes, there are several people listening, living, who have bit the bait. They're looking back over their life or just five minutes ago, they bit the bait. But the way to show God that, okay, Lord, I bit the bait. I know I have to go through these consequences, but from now on, I'm not biting the bait. I'm going to aim not to bite the bait. That's a blessing. The blessing of revelation. The birds in the background said, hey. God has provided us all with wisdom and discernment. And when or if you've bit the bait, move forward. Ask God for forgiveness, receive his forgiveness, and keep moving forward and don't bite any more bait. It's not the time to beat yourself up and twiddle your thumbs and rock back and forth on the side of the bed, heaving about some bait you bit some years ago. Okay, you bit the bait. God brought you through. You're living out the consequences but God has granted you the grace, the faith, and the mercy to withstand what you've done. Move forward. Don't allow that to ensnare you because that's what Satan does too. He throws out the bait of regret, the bait of feeling sorry for yourself. The bait of shoulda, woulda, coulda, but didn't. The bait of depression. The bait of anxiety. And that's to trap you and keep you ensnared. So you have to just bust through these traps. Forget that cheese, forget it. God will bless you with something else, but don't stay there. And allow God to work out what you've done. And it's already worked out because he said all things are working together for your good. And that includes the traps. Yes, we still have to go through the consequences of our actions. But when we cast our cares on God, he promised that he will care for us. When God reveals bait to you, do not pick it up. No matter how it comes to you too. That bait can come in the form of an innocent-looking stuffed animal. So fluffy and cuddly, but it's bait. Somebody could pick that up. The person who that bait was intended for, they could look at that stuffed animal and say, Oh my gosh, this is so nice. Oh my gosh, it's so soft. Wow, so plush. They pick it up and a grenade is in there. Whether you know it or not, 
There are some people aiming to use bait to stop you from succeeding. And it doesn't have to be a degree or dissertation either. You have people being used and encouraged by Satan to destroy and bait people in, to mess up relationships, mess up one's relationship with God. You have people using bait, some people using bait to steal one's resources, their time, their finances, their family. People using bait to mess up people's future. People using bait to gain someone's attention. Just think about all of the times where somebody tried to bait you in. They tried to bait you in. Matter of fact, they didn't even try. They put the bait out and you bit it. Or... Think about the times when you baited somebody in, hoping that they would bite. All of that comes with a consequence. For those who know, you are aware that bait could be used to frighten someone. Bait is about control. Whatever you do, don't bite the bait. So, let me provide this account. This is what happened. Dissertation Desperado, the guy. I keep saying the guy. This was an older, older man. Okay, He tried to get me to buy some bait. So I'm going to go ahead and set up the scene for y'all. So y'all can know what happened. This is when my dissertation chair, the first one, was alive. And we had to complete... As you've heard me say several times, the abstract and the prospectus. So we were doing that continuously in different phases to move forward. It was a lot of phases and a lot of steps. So the dissertation chair lets us know if you're successful after completing this in its entirety... You're going to go ahead and move forward with working on your first three chapters of your dissertation, which included the introduction, the review of literature and methodology. And that was a big deal because once you got out of this abstract and prospectus mode, you were ready to start doing some heavy lifting, writing chapters up. As y'all have heard me say repeatedly over and over, and you're going to hear throughout the duration of this series, I was in a cohort. Okay. Now, everybody in the cohort, they were all in different stages of the dissertation process. When we were in this cohort, everybody didn't start the cohort at the same time. So, let's say I come into the cohort. There were probably, let's say, two people about to defend their dissertation. Or there was somebody who was finishing chapter three. And then I come in and I'm starting to work on my abstract. So it was all a benefit for the dissertation chair to keep everybody connected and work on everything at the same time so people can learn from each other. That was his whole goal, as I said it before, which is a great goal, a great aim. But the individuals who were operating in pride and jealousy, they saw it as a competition. But anyway, I was doing what I needed to do, despite people digging all these pits for me to fall into. And praise God, I was dodging pits left and right. And if I fell in a pit, 
I was climbing out of the pit and moving forward, and people didn't like that because I guess they thought I was supposed to stay in the pit. Well, the chair tells me, okay, in two weeks, you, talking to me, you will present your proposal, and after you present it, I, along with the other committee members in the meeting, if we approve it, then you can advance to the first three chapters. So I was like, cool. Now, the dissertation chair said this in front of the other members of the cohort. As I said earlier, there were other members of the cohort working on what they had to work on at different phases and stages. Some were going at a slower pace because they wanted to make sure they were doing things right because they heard the horror stories from other people who did things wrong and they wanted to make sure they were implementing the right stuff. So they didn't want to go through trying to raise people. They just wanted to take it a step at a time. Other members were already through with the chapters other people were just starting to work on. So their mindset was different. They were at different legs of the race doing different things. So when the chair told me that some people who had already been through that phase and some people who were about to work on it, they were saying, oh, congrats, you know, that's going to be great. We're moving through. Good work. Now, the DDT group, the Dissertation Desperado Treacherous Trio, two of the ladies in the group, they were already working on their chapters. They were working on that, okay? But the guy, Dissertation, the original Dissertation Desperado, he was not able to work on those chapters yet because of what happened when he was talking about he was whooping children. That set him back. And the chair had to do some serious damage control on his behalf. And he couldn't present, or he didn't. I don't think he presented his proposal for another three to four weeks. So that's a month. And he couldn't talk his way out of it because Dissertation Desperado, as I said in previous episodes, he thought he could talk his way out, but he couldn't talk his way out of this one. So Dissertation Desperado had to wait and watch. He had to look at people progress as he sat on ice, so to speak. He had to just wait. And he could not take that. He couldn't take it at all. Now, I remember it was the day before my presentation. I was out and about, and I remember it was around early afternoon. So let's say it was around the 12 o'clock p.m. hour. So I got a call on my cell phone from a number I didn't know. And I let the phone ring, and they didn't leave a voicemail. So I was thinking, well, it's not important. Then some hours go by, and it's around, let's say, 2 15, 2.30 p.m., the same number calls me again, but this time I was on the phone. So I didn't click over to answer the call, but I did receive a voicemail. Then right after I got that voicemail and that call, I received a text message. So I got off the phone, looked at the text message, and I was like, what? And the text read, call me now. I said, hold up. Let me listen to this voicemail because the numbers match. Let me see who this is. So I'm checking the voicemail. And it was Dissertation Desperado on my phone. And I was thinking the whole time, how in the heck did this man get my phone number? 
because I never gave it to him. So I'm listening to the voicemail. He's saying something to the effect of, hey, hey, in a real pleasant, friendly tone. Hey, what's going on? Just want to talk to you about your presentation tomorrow. I thought about something and I really need to tell you about it. So call me back. I listened to that and said, no, I don't care what you thought about. And I was just thinking, who gave this man my number? This man hates me. And he's talking about he wants to talk to me. No, 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 no. This is not adding up. And I was just thinking this man has done too many things to me and calling me in a friendly voice and leaving voice. No, 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 no. I've been through this several times with other people. So this is bait. So I left it alone. About two hours after that. So he called me at 12 something. Then he called me at two something. Then he called me at four something p.m. I get another call in a voicemail. And that voicemail says, yeah, I called you. So call me back. (laughs) I just have to tell you something I heard about the presentation that you really need to hear. Call me back. Then I got a text. And it says, I'm trying to reach, connect, (laughs) something. It was not my name. And I was like, oh, whoever that is, I don't know who that person is. Name was spelled all the way wrong. Had about 18 letters. Just incorrect. I said, that that's not me. <laughs> so I can't respond to that. But just listening to the tone of that voicemail and the tone of the text message, looking at it and reading it, you could tell you started to get upset. Now, an hour passes. He calls me again. But no voicemail. No text. Just a call. Then an hour after that, he calls. So it's six something. And he texts, trying to reach you. And I look at the phone saying, this, <laughs> this man is crazy. This man has no significance in my life whatsoever. Then within that hour, when I got that text, trying to reach you, call me back. No. The dissertation chair sends me an email, okay, telling me that the dissertation desperado is calling you. Give him a call back. And he said he has something to tell you. I did not respond to that email. Once again, my mindset was, That is a student. That is a student who does not even work at the university. There's nothing that this student, I don't care how old he is and how much he talk, that student can't tell me anything. He's trying to attain and acquire the same thing I'm trying to get, a degree. So whatever insights he thinks he has, I don't want to hear it. And I knew that was backwards because the man could not move forward, but he's going to tell me how to move forward. He can't tell me how to move forward because he hasn't been there. He's not even 
in the same lane as me right now. Now, if somebody else from the cohort had already finished the chapters, told me, hey, you know, I got something to tell you. I would listen to them. I would even give them an opportunity to speak to me before I let him do that. Sometimes the Lord allows us to see who people are and how they operate before we have other encounters with them. We have a reference point. We have something to go research and draw from. This wasn't a stranger. This person did all kinds of stuff to me, and he's talking about how he wants to lend a helping hand. No, I don't want to be near his hands. Nothing. I don't want to be around it. Didn't want to be around it. And then to get the chair to tell me he has some information to share with me, he has something to tell me, that lets you know he got to the chair. He was lying about something. And the chair brought it to me instead of shutting it down. So, no, I did not respond to that email. Now, time goes by. It's late now. I'm talking about like 845, 9, 9.30. Dissertation Desperado calls my phone again. And he left the voicemail. And he wasn't pleasant anymore. The truth came out. So on this voicemail, he tells me in a mean, disrespectful, aggressive tone. I can't even imitate it like he did. But he tells me, yeah, I just want to let you know that tomorrow when you present all of those committee members and the chair, they're going to eat you alive. You won't be going through to the next phase. And I heard that you're not capable and you're just not ready. They're going to eat you alive. Call me back. I looked at the phone. I said, this man's a trip. (laughs) A complete trip. As I said earlier, I was just thinking this man is a student. Who does he think he is trying to tell me something? He's a trip. This is a joke. This is a joke. And I remember telling some people in my personal life what was going on. They were saying the same thing, like, that's a mess, you know. But I remember one person was saying, I mean, do you think they'll eat you alive? And I, no. And that's why you have to be careful telling people things because if they bite the bait and they're close to you, it's no telling how that can influence you to make certain decisions where you could doubt yourself. But my constitution was so strong, I was was not worried about that. I was just more upset, to be honest, about how he got my phone number. And then the boldness of trying to scare somebody, trying to throw some bait out as if I'm supposed to be insecure about some research that I'm doing? No. I prayed and went to sleep. Now, the next day, which was the day of the presentation, I got there a little early, and a classmate who was in the cohort, I never had any issues with her, but I walk in because I'm about to set up, and she sees me, and she's like, hey, hey, um, quick question. 
did Dissertation Desperado call you yesterday at any time? And I was thinking, man, everybody knows this man called me. And I responded to her, why are you asking me that? She said, no, 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 I'm just asking because... Let me just tell you what happened. Yesterday, I got a call. She said she was at work, and Dissertation Desperado called her. And he was asking her for my phone number. She was like, yeah, he called me at work, and he was asking for your number. And I found out that he was contacting other members of the cohort for your phone number, even old classmates that we had that are not even a part of the cohort. They were calling me. Asking me, do you have, you know, Kenitra's phone number by any chance? And she was like, man, I guess it's something like an emergency taking place. So I was looking for your phone number. She said she went through old text message threads that we had in different classes. She was like, I do not have your number saved at all. I mean, we took that class like a year and a half ago. I remember us texting. So I still had that thread in my messages and... You know, I went through the numbers in that thread, and I just gave him a list of numbers. So I guess he did process of elimination because some of those numbers he had in his phone saved. So she said, I know it was like two numbers that he was asking me which one was yours. And I told him, I don't know. I don't know. And he was telling me early in the day. You know, he really needed to talk to you because he had to share some information with you that was really going to help you out in your presentation for today. And she said, I mean, I really thought, you know, he was really going to help you. And things got real strange as the day went on. I mean, he started off calling me. He just asked me. And then I kept getting these text messages. What's her number? What's her number? Can you verify this number? People start calling me. So I was like, okay, and mind you, I'm at work. (laughs) So I gave him those two numbers, and he called me several times throughout the day saying, I'm calling this number that you gave me, and it's not working. And he had like a little attitude. And he said he's trying to reach you. And I'm like, whoa, 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 what is really going on? Because if it's not the number that I gave you, I mean, it's nothing I can do. So I just thought that was kind of strange. He was really yelling at me and he was speaking so forcefully towards me. I mean, by the end of the day, I was thinking, you know, I don't really think this is about a presentation at all. This is just something not right. So that's why I asked you when you came in, did you get a call from him? Because he was really bothering me yesterday. So as she was speaking, I got my confirmation. She's the one who provided the number. And just hearing how he harassed her lets you know or lets me know he was really fixated on this agenda. And that agenda was throwing out bait. See, he threw out bait for her cloaked in. I just want to help her out. You know, she's such a good student, you know. Just really want to make sure that, you know, she gets to the next level. Just give her some tips, some things that I heard. I just really want to help her out. And she bit the bait. But he exposed his bait when he went off on her because he was angry. And then he was angry at me that I wouldn't bite the bait. Now, the presentation goes extremely well. 
he did come to the presentation. He did show up, but he showed up late. And then when he walked in, he saw the woman who he was asking for my number. He saw her first. She was sitting by the door. Walked in, rolled his eyes at her, and she was looking like, oh, oh my goodness. And then he comes in. The presentation is over. He's huffing and puffing, coming in. People are still around. Like, people are getting ready to leave. He's storming through people. Then he comes to me and asks me in just an attackatory tone. Why didn't you pick up the phone? I was calling you. Why didn't you answer? And I said, oh, you called me? You called me? And then he started glaring at me. He was upset. And then he went to go talk to the teacher. And... The way he came in with the huffing and the puffing and the attitude. That committee member who he told that he whoops children to. The lady who turned red and didn't want to deal with him too much. And the dissertation chair was trying to do damage control on his behalf. Saying, you know, it was just things taken out of context. It's okay. He's a good person. He's a good principal. He's a good student. He walked in doing that. She saw that. And then she put her head down. The dissertation chair looked at him like, you just, you just can't get it together. You just won't stop. You just undid everything I just tried to do for you. I mean, I was trying to get you to present in the next three to four weeks, but wow, why don't you just shut up? And, of course, he was angry. He was upset because the chair was going off on him, and he was just sitting there looking like a little child being disciplined. And people are walking around looking at him. Whatever he was trying to do to me did not work. When he walked in and just based off of his outburst, let you know he didn't care about me. I already knew that. But that's the bait he was throwing out. That's what he was throwing out. He was the one delayed, so to speak, and he wanted to delay me. And if that meant pouring out and sowing seeds of doubt, insecurity, whatever bait for me to bite, he was going to do it. I guess because he thought, man, she's the youngest in the program and that's somebody I can manipulate. But his bait didn't work with me. God knows the bait people are trying to use to get you from underneath the covering of God. God knows the bait. That's why you hear me say constantly, ask God for wisdom and discernment. Some people play off your weaknesses. And some people, they might not even know your weaknesses. They just want to project their weaknesses onto you, thinking that, okay, if I'm weak in this area, surely they should be too. So let me give them some bait. Hopefully it'll work. And it doesn't work. Allow God to guide you, not your emotions. And when God shows you things, don't disregard those things. Let's look at the example with the dissertation desperado. 
all of the things I shared with y'all so far. And then there are some things I won't even get to cover in this 38-part series because it's too much. But why on earth would I talk to somebody or engage with someone who made it their intentional aim to destroy my academic success from the jump? Why would I do that? And why would you talk and converse with someone who has made it their intentional aim to destroy your overall success regarding anything you're working at from the jump? And then they smile about it. No. Don't fall into that trap. Don't do it. When God shows you the character of people, don't flirt with people who have malicious intent towards you. That's nothing to play with. Don't bite the bait and stay in connection to Christ as he reveals the bait used by the enemy to get you caught in a trap. When you are following God and resisting the bait of the enemy, all the enemy can do is flee from you. And there are four scriptures I would like to leave you with. The first one is James, the fourth chapter and the seventh verse. And it states, submit yourselves, therefore, to God, resist the devil and he will flee from you. Ephesians, the sixth chapter and the eleventh verse states, put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. 2 Corinthians, the 11th chapter and the 14th verse states, And no wonder, for even Satan disguises himself as an angel of light. And then 1 John, the 4th chapter and the 1st verse states, Beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God. For many false prophets have gone out into the world. And I wanted to leave you with those scriptures to ponder on. It is of extreme importance to submit yourself to God when the enemy uses something or someone to bait you in. You have to go off what God has already shown you. The more you resist Satan and his tricks, he will flee. But you have to have the full armor of God on. You should have the full armor of patience on, peace on, wisdom on, discernment, obedience. Those should be on you. The aim is to be able to identify the bait. Just think about people who put on the coat of concern, but underneath, they're walking around spewing out confusion and catastrophe in contention towards others. When you're connected to Christ, you will be able to clearly see things for what they are, no matter who or what is trying to give you a false reality to look at. Don't bite the bait. If you are biting on anything, make sure that you're feeding on the Word of God daily. Thank you all for tuning in. Visit drkenitrabryant.com to download God, Me, and the Dissertation, a 38-day devotional on the site. You can order inspirational apparel, and you have the option to connect with me on Instagram and aim towards the target and at college underscore success tips. Enjoy your day. Peace and God bless.